0: Uh, so, uh, I'm just going to read this tweet from Adam Schefter. Um, And it's it's the <laughs> no version. fucking way. It's dude, the checkmark sure version, this, man. Dude.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah.
0: Jim Harbaugh called Michigan to inform the school that despite interviewing with the Vikings today, he will be returning to school
2: for the 2022. season. <laughs> Sources tell ESPN. Oh, my God.
1: Michigan was uh, just recorded. The words of
2: one source, quote unquote, elated to get
0: Harbaugh's decision.
1: Oh my Holy god. Holy shit. We just,
0: we just finished, we just <laughs> we finished recording
1: like an hour the most season. useless podcast of all time.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 32. I am your host, a Sam Bender. We are presented, as always, by Homefield Apparel and Points Bet. And We're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's Harbaugh watch. Um, we're uh, it's it's six oh nine nice uh, PM on Wednesday, February second. As I sit down to record this, uh, my co-hosts tonight are Alex Cook and Dan, aka Thick Stauskas, and Jim Harbaugh is in Minneapolis or thereabouts uh, at the Vikings facility, probably uh, until tomorrow, which is probably today. If you're reading this or listening to this, you would reading. This would be difficult. Um, there's a chance by the time you listen to this, that he is no longer Michigan's head coach. Uh, everything points in the direction of him no longer being Michigan's head coach. As soon as the Vikings find it to be the right time to offer him the job, it sounds like he is very much their leading candidate. Um, yeah, so uh, we're just kind of waiting. I, I think all of us have one eye on Twitter right now, and that's where we're at. Um, we will start with big moods tonight, and Dan, you have uh, an appropriately foreboding one, but with a nice silver line.
1: Um, yeah, so uh, this uh, this has been a kind of a rough week uh, to be a Michigan <laughs> fan, um, just maybe understating it there a little bit, just a ton of uncertainty. Um, It feels like, you know, if nothing else, the Jim Harbaugh era had a lot of certainty in terms of like, you know, we know about how good we're going to be every year at the bare minimum. Um, And we know who's going to be there. We know what the team's going to look like. Um, And, you know, there were minor surprises along the way and some some good, some bad. Um, And now there's not really any certainty. Uh, It's, it's tough to really, you know, to really predict anything. Um, you know, who's going to take over after him if he leaves or maybe if he's coming back, even what that would look like, uh, that'd be kind of, uh, awkward, uh, you know, could really, <laughs> could be very awkward. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't, it's, it's harder and harder to see that. And we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, but, uh, you know, and and then with the basketball program, there's, uh, it seems like, Less and less likely, although they're not out of it, that they're gonna, you know, make the tournament, and that has, you know, greater implications for, you know, what On Howard's uh, program is gonna look like at a steady state, um, and uh, and then obviously there's the hockey stuff, um, which you know I'd actually been really getting into and enjoying, and um, you know watching most of their games, and uh, it turns out that um, you know that has a, a super negative. Uh, hard to do that with a, with a like completely clear conscious uh, now as well. So, you know, a lot of fun stuff um, really kind of a bummer <laughs> of a time to be a Michigan fan. Um, I think, you know, it, we'll come out of it. Um, it might not be exactly the way we want to. It might not be, uh, this is not the off season everyone was planning on having, um, but you know, they still did win the big 10 championship um, and that was awesome. And they can't take that away from you. And uh, and women's basketball is really, really good um, and really, really fun to watch. And, like, I'm not saying that in, like, a pandering way of, like, a, oh, like, wow, you know, you should pay attention. No, like, I've genuinely been enjoying watching the games. Um, and they kick the crap out of uh, a really good Indiana team. And uh, they're probably the best team in the Big Ten. And I don't know. As far as from what I've seen, I feel like they have as legit a shot as anyone outside the top, like, two to potentially, you know, make a really deep run in the tournament. So, Um, that's the positive end. And, uh, you know, if this is the worst that it gets as a Michigan fan, that's, that's still, that's still pretty decent, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Um, Alex, you've got, unfortunately, uh, some more on men's basketball (laughs) because we have to,
2: (laughs) Yeah, um February for me uh usually is not coach watch season for football but usually basketball season. Um been following along closely. Michigan's played 3 games since our last podcast and uh yeah, on one hand the dream of reaching the NCAA tournament is still alive after two late comebacks at home over Maybe the two worst teams in the Big Ten. <laughs> it and, sounded good until that. <laughs> yeah, until nor- yeah, Northwestern, <laughs> Northwestern and Nebraska, who each scored well over a point per possession against Michigan. Um, Michigan was down, you know, about seven points with five minutes left in each of these games, but managed to win. Uh, Northwestern missed a buzzer beater that could have won in overtime, um, and then sandwiched, you know, between those two games was a. I would say pretty non competitive road loss against Michigan State, which I believe we'll talk a, a little bit more in depth about um, later in the podcast. If we but, must. Uh, yeah, if we must. I mean, we could be talking about, uh, yeah, I don't know. Women's basketball. <laughs> yeah. <we're> quick, <laughs> pivot <Pay me> back. <laughs> yeah. Send it back to women's basketball. We're going to be hosting NCAA tournament games this year. Um, Yeah. As far as the men go, like could be talking about the dream of reaching the tournament, pretty much being dead at this point. Um, Fortunately is still alive, but if Michigan turns in efforts like they did did against maybe 300 people against Nebraska last night, not going to have to worry about making the tournament. Um, Yeah. The Michigan's offense actually has been doing pretty well. um, And Against Nebraska, they finally won a game where they didn't make any threes, hardly. Uh, But you look at the arc of the season, you see, okay, you know, there's maybe some momentum building with, you know, authoritative win over Maryland, a really good road win over Indiana. And then they probably go home against Northwestern, almost lose a comical game, don't really put up a fight in the Breslin Center in the second half against Michigan State. And then almost suffer what would have been maybe the death blow against Nebraska. Um, there, there was a tweet last night during the game uh, from Tom, not Tom, a longtime mutual mutual. Uh, that was something along the lines of Michigan is a team that resets to factory settings after every four games, which I thought was pretty <laughs> fun. Um, but hard to get a read on this team. It's been, you know, obviously a pretty rough year. Glad that we beat Northwestern and Nebraska, but um, you know, looking ahead to two games against Purdue in the next week or so, uh, I think it's like f- six quad one A games to close out the season. Like Michigan's going to have to get a lot better in a hurry.
0: Yeah, uh, playing Purdue twice in the next eight days feels deeply foreboding right now. <laughs>
2: But uh, good thing Michigan doesn't totally implode when their starting center gets a couple of fouls. uh, And at least they don't auto bench him for 15 minutes in the first half when that happens. Um, Good Lord. Um, Yeah. Well, and I mean, Hunter, his plus minus in that game was like plus 18 and he only played, you know, just over 20 minutes. Um, Finished with two fouls. (laughs) Really kind of speaks to how bad Michigan was when he wasn't playing like with Musa Diabate at the five, I mean, Nebraska was scoring pretty much every possession, like that's super alarming, obviously, but I don't know. Michigan fans probably care more about Harbaugh at this point. Like I wouldn't really blame anyone for kind of checking out from the men's team. Um, yeah. The women's team is there to direct some of that energy and yeah, hopefully over for a, a deep run in March madness, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my big mood is just being like, you know what? We looked like we were okay at defense there for a minute. Definitely not good at defense. Offense, you know, especially Hunter. Maybe not enough to overcome that. Most games against top teams.
0: Certainly, this is a this is a team that seems to need a lot to go right for them to compete against the very upper echelon of the Big Ten. And uh, right now, they're not they're not doing it. My big mood is that uh, you know I've been sitting around since last night kind of I mean spoiler writing ahead about you know what might happen post Harbaugh um given the uh seeming inevitability although nothing is certain in uh, the world of coaching searches but um and like the one thing that seems to be a little bit lost among Michigan fans right now uh or at least a certain fact you know maybe not Michigan fans but um people online, (laughs) is that, you know, Michigan is being strung out. There's a certain amount of angst about just being in this position and frustration with Jim Harbaugh, and it's pretty understandable given how long, you know, we're we're on like a full month of waiting to see um, if the head coach is going to stick around. Um, But it's worth remembering where Michigan was at the last time they were in a coaching search because it was, I mean, until Harbaugh swooped in, I mean, coming off of Brady Hoke, this was a program in a very bad place. And Harbaugh came in, immediately turned things around. And really if it hadn't been for a couple of close results against Ohio state and, you know, maybe one particular one against Michigan state, his tenure would be, in unmitigated success and it was merely quite successful. Um, And he didn't get the big thing done until his final year and then walked walked out. Maybe we'll see. I I have to couch all this and maybe right now. Um, But it's, it's, it's an odd feeling kind of being like having this, you know, huge, you know, getting this huge weight off the program's shoulders, you know, Fans have experienced the same thing. It kind of felt like we were in this, like, you know, blissful, less stressful time. You know, there was going to be a bit of a honeymoon period after, you know, unexpectedly making the playoff. And instead, there's a whole lot of uncertainty again that shouldn't ultimately taint what Jim Harbaugh did in terms of turning around the program. Uh, You know, if they're, I understand that people won't be rooting for the Vikings next season, but uh I would hope that there uh, isn't a significant amount of bitterness given, you know, particularly given the way Harbaugh went out and, you know, it's, you know, this is a search that went on a NFL coaching search timeline and that was unfortunate for Michigan, but Harbaugh's ultimate dream is to win a Super Bowl. Uh and uh he's kind of Done what he set out to do at Michigan. And while the timing of this is rough, I would hope that, first of all, I mean, Michigan is in a decent position to, at the very least, do a solid continuity hire from within and see what they have in one of a couple young coaching candidates, uh, or hopefully take a crack at a big name because Michigan should be able to throw their weight around a little bit. Then we might as well just dive all the way in to the Harbaugh stuff. Uh, I think we've covered the current state of things. I've kind of just given my early take on Harbaugh's ultimate legacy here. Um, Do you guys have thoughts on kind of that second one?
2: Yeah, so I do have thoughts on his legacy. Um, You mentioned that he turned the program around, which I agreed with. Um, I think it's fair to say that he ultimately fell short of expectations you know when he was hired if you thought okay Michigan is going to have Jim Harbaugh for seven years probably wouldn't expect one win over Ohio State one Big Ten title one playoff appearance um I do think that it's nice when considering his legacy that you know that success that one successful season happened at the end um he had other good teams 2016 and 2018 especially but you know as we Um, prepare to write the obituary for harbaugh's tenure at michigan i do kind of wonder if there's going to be a little bit of recency bias there um safe to say that none of us have forgotten how we felt in january of last year (laughs) when we thought that michigan should move on from harbaugh instead of you know cutting his salary and signing him to an extension um I mean, ultimately he did turn the program around though. That's, that's what I keep on coming back to. And to your point, um, Michigan should be pretty good next year, unless there's a huge exodus of players, which is kind of impossible to predict. Um, The offense should be really good, you know, for whichever coach presumptively takes over Um, for Jim Harbaugh is going to have two good quarterbacks, good offensive line, great running backs, good options in the passing game. Um, the defense is going to be overhauled quite a bit. So who knows there? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Michigan was five and seven when Harbaugh was hired, I think, you know, 12 and 12 and two this year. And then, you know, I think for next year you're looking at pretty solid eight or nine win floor. Um, so he can leave Ann Arbor knowing that the program is in better shape than when he found it, but losing record against Michigan state, um, Michigan State was not especially great for most of his tenure. And then you look at one win over Ohio State. I don't think, you know, looking from the outside, like from, you know, a Michigan fan's perspective, like for me, that 2021 win over Ohio State means everything. Um, But yeah, looking from like an Ohio State perspective or from a fan somewhere else in the country, I think he fell short of expectations and that it wasn't as successful as that we hoped it would be.
1: Yeah, I think um, if I can just hop in, I think that uh, I would probably look at his. I'd look at his tenure um, a lot differently if the record against Michigan State was a little bit better. I think um, it's kind of bad luck. I mean, like some of the he lost every close game against <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan State. You know, like that's kind of the brutal part. He pretty much won just as much as he should if not more against everyone else beat everyone he should um you know won a lot of games every year um but 2015 michigan state obviously you know trouble with the snap uh then 17 was the 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 monsoon game um 20 this you know like obviously i mean i would have to go through these but like 20 and 20 and 21 obviously (laughs) both close games and then uh and then I would say, like, 2016 versus Ohio State and 2017 versus Ohio State, both close games that Michigan could have won. Um, he lost, he went 0 for, I mean, 0 for 6 there. Some of that's bad luck, some of that you could say is on him. Um, I think mostly luck, especially considering literally, if you just want to say 16 Ohio State and and 15 Michigan State, like, the, you flip those two, which are literally just, one's a freak accident and one is you know a, a complete coin flip. Um, you're talking about a much different record, a much different legacy. But, you know, I think taken as a whole, like, it, you, you I don't think you can say that Mich- that it was a, a success. I think that, um, you know, one in five would have been one in six against Ohio State. That can't be the standard, even with how good Ohio State was. You know, you'd hope to get at least two there. Um, and then a losing record against Michigan State, like, especially considering – I mean I know like if any Michigan State fans are listening to this I'm going to get you know but I think Michigan had better teams in terms of like quality and every like pretty much every year than Michigan State. I mean they they really for the for the for the majority of Harbaugh's tenure if not the whole thing had better teams that had more success outside of that game. So losing four out of seven is is rough, is really tough to swallow. Yeah,
2: it's um, all the worse for if you have a better team but consistently lose to them. I mean, that's, that's even worse in my book. And you mentioned the trouble with the snap game. Until that redemptive afternoon in Ann Arbor under the snow against Ohio State, that trouble with the snap game to me kind of set the tone for his tenure at Michigan. Um, again, final chapter, you know, I mean, <laughs> minus the – the blowout loss to Georgia, but I do think he did, you know, get to what we would consider a reasonable mountaintop for a Michigan coach, but yeah, it took him seven years to get there.
1: Yeah. And I think, look, I mean, I think like this, this standard that he set, which is like winning nine to, I don't know if you want to say it's like, nine to 11 games every year, basically. Right. Or eight to 11, if you just want to, or like eight to 10, I don't know, sometimes 11, sometimes seven, who knows. Right. Like that's, that's pretty much what Michigan has been in, you know, even when they've been very good is just consistently like winning a lot of games, you know, and being in contention for big 10 titles. The difference is how good Ohio state has been. Um, and then obviously the, the the Michigan State series, which is, you know, bounced Michigan State's way, even under Harbaugh. So it's, you know, like it, I think it's I think it's overall a failure of a tenure. I, I'm glad it ended on a high note. I'm glad that he got to go out on his own terms. Um, you know, I think once it like I, I think he did a good job saving it with the last year and that's what people are going to you know, I think remember him for when it's all said and done, people are going to be a little bit upset when he, you know, if, and when he does sign with the Vikings, but like, you know, that you'll always have that memory. It's the first big 10 title in like what, 17 years. Um, That means something. And uh, again, like another thing I'll say is just the, kind of like the caliber of program, like Michigan really had fallen. I don't need to tell you guys this, but (laughs) it's think about in like just watching the playoffs, right? Like how many random Michigan guys do you see on basically every team now where it's like, Oh, there's David, not even stars, but like, Oh, there's David long. Oh, there's Mike Dana. Oh, there's, you know, Taco Charlton on, you know, whatever, like there's so many players in the NFL now. And like, he's, he's reestablished Michigan as like one of those program that's that, that sends a ton of guys to the NFL and is like, you know, one of the top 10 to 12 programs in the country. And, You know, that that when taking a macro view, I think like it's that's something I I dreamt of when we were going through the Brady Hoke years like that. That program was just such like, you know, from 2008 to 2014, this is such a Mickey Mouse program. And it's a serious program now. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's in a place where the next guy, if they make the right hire, can pick it up and run. And, you know, I think we're you know, we're probably going to talk about who that next guy might be. So I won't get into that yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at, it'd be easier if you could just look at his overall winning percentage and the recruiting rankings, and just and just go, okay, he's this level of coach. But it is so complicated by the rivalry shortcomings and just the really lofty
2: expectations when he came in. Um, this. Yeah, it's, it, fair to say that those expectations were probably unfair.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, you know, if you told me that he'd be here for, you know, th- the length of time he's been here, turn Michigan around to the point that they made a playoff in his last year. And, you know, if, if you just told me about like his overall record and the final season at Michigan, I'd be like, wow, what an unmitigated success. <laughs> like <laughs> what a tremendous tenure. Um, but obviously, what actually happens in the interim matters quite a bit,
1: and so that's where it becomes a little complicated. <laughs> so, so here's what I would say, right? Like, let's put this in real hard numbers, um, like quantifiable stuff. When when Harbaugh was hired, I think what I basically expected. If I always try to like view programs on like a ten year slide, like an you know an R ten like t- rolling ten year average. Um, I was kind of, I guess, like in my naive. I was, I guess, 19 years old, so this was my naive like view of what Michigan would accomplish if he had like stayed at stayed at Michigan for 10 years. I would have thought they win the Big Ten like three times, um, beat Ohio State, like go go 500 against Ohio State, beat Michigan State almost every year. Maybe like you know they go like eight and two over the course of 10 years, um, and then like you know win basically like 10 or 11 game or 11 or 12 games, 10 to 12 games a year, right? Like, that was my expectation when he was hired. They clearly fell short of that, right? And, and uh, and you know, they, 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 even if you extrapolate it out seven years, like, you know, maybe he wins one more Big Ten title. Maybe he wins one more against Ohio State. You know, maybe he evens up the series against Michigan State. But, like, clearly they've fallen short, right? Um, I think now, like, if you, like – the way that I've seen Harbaugh, you know, and and what I think the pro this program ceiling is, I think that the realistic, realistic expectation is, you know, win the Big Ten twice in ten years, beat Ohio State three or four times, beat Michigan State six or seven times, um, and then you know win anywhere from eight to eleven games a year, um, and then like maybe compete for a national title realistically, like once every twenty years when everything really aligns. And even under that, which I think those are realistic uh, expectations for the program, given the resources and, you know, national footprint, even under those expectations, I do think he is actively, you know, and has fallen short. Um, So I don't know. That sounds harsh for a guy that I am going to miss very much because I think he's a good coach. um, And I think he was, you know, on the right trajectory. But I feel like that's where my head's at when I really sit down and look at it logically.
0: Yeah, no, that's totally fair, especially given, uh, you know, there, it took a long time to get things right. There were a lot of staff changes, especially on the offensive side. Um, Michigan had to move on from Don Brown before getting to the next level, and that obviously took a while. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's certainly a complicated legacy. Uh, the next thing I want to look at is, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about ward Manual. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how people have figured out what may or may not have been in Michigan's contract offer. Um, but you know, there are people who think that Harbaugh maybe was not getting enough support, um, or that the university or the athletic department wasn't um making as many concessions to him as they needed to. To me, I think this was just something that was going to happen if the circumstances aligned. And they aligned in a way where Harbaugh had kind of accomplished what was you, one could reasonably expect him to accomplish at Michigan uh, in terms of achieving a bid t- big 10 title and beating Ohio state, you know, sticking around to win a national championship is, is kind of a, a long shot, long-term deal. And then uh, Harbaugh is succeeding enough where there would be interest from the NFL. Uh, and obviously they're, has been interest from the NFL, uh, you know, last year, I don't think there was, um, so I don't know if this was necessarily, you know, at least as soon as Michigan decided upon the restructured deal that they did last year. Um, I don't think there was any coming back from that. And that seemed like a pretty reasonable step at the time to me, given the way Carpa's tenure had gone. I'd It was very hard for any of us to predict a turnaround this quickly. And now uh, Harbaugh going out on a high note feels like, you know, even though we didn't necessarily see it coming when the season was ending, now that it's happening, it, it, it makes a certain amount of sense. And I don't think it was something that Ward Manuel personally could have prevented over the last year.
2: Yeah, I think, um, there was a lot of conversation over the last month that was completely off base, um, (laughs) like talking about Michigan's NIL practices and like transfer policies does not matter when your coach is considering whether or not to leave to the NFL, like in the context of, you know, if he was looking at another college job to me, that would have made sense, but I think Michigan fans, I mean, myself included here, um, can tend to get, you know, in our own heads about certain things and, and start to see things, you know, through a certain prism, let's say. And, you know, for a lot of people, the NFL is the the pinnacle of football. And there's a reason a lot of successful coaches try their hand at the NFL at some point, or, you know, I mean, along. It is the highest level. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) mean, yeah. So like, what is Ward Manuel going to offer Jim Harbaugh to compete with, the prestige of the NFL and the lure of potentially, you know, winning a Super Bowl this time. I mean, Harbaugh came awfully co- close with the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, to me, the people who are blaming Ward might just, you know, have that kind of perspective that, oh, Michigan is a great job. Why would anybody want to leave Michigan unless Michigan was screwing it up? Um, I personally don't see it that way at all. I think a lot of people are going to hold it against Harbaugh that he values, apparently values a shot at the NFL more than he does to stay at Michigan. But there are a a lot of other factors to consider, you know, like he's been in Ann Arbor for seven years. That's, you know, kind of a long time to stay at a job, especially a really high power, like stressful, very publicly visible job. Um, he was the toast of the town in 2015 and then he was pretty widely disliked. I would say in 2020, um, I can, I can see there being a lot of reasons why he would want to leave that go beyond like, Oh, Michigan, when we stepped back up to the negotiating table after the big 10 title didn't do enough to keep him like that just doesn't track to me.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I I think, uh, yeah. I mean, what you said about like, this is not, a one to one comparison because this is college versus the NFL. Award manual can't offer a crack at a Super Bowl. And um, our friend Ben Mathis Lilly posted on Twitter, I think yesterday, a uh, link to an SF Gate article from when Harbaugh had just started his coaching career at the University of San Diego. And he could kind of just say, He could be very honest there about his ambitions because nobody at a non-scholarship FCS school was expecting Jim Harbaugh to stick around for more than a minute. Um, And he was quoted there as saying, I've always said that my greatest dream is to win the Super Bowl. And that's that's pretty, uh, you know, there was no reason for him to... Lie in that situation. There was no reason for him to, you know, when he's at Michigan, there's a certain pull towards saying, This is the place that I want to be. You have to recruit here. Um, And it was also at the time the place that he wanted to be because the NFL opportunities had closed. Um, But uh, I think once he felt that he had kind of done a satisfactory job as Michigan's coach, it was a lot easier for him to go back to pursuing. What is ultimately his his goal as a coach? Um, well,
2: I think he would have taken a pro job last year without having accomplished a win over Ohio State or a Big Ten title. It's just that there weren't any that were on the table.
0: Well, and he was also getting booted halfway out the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, and I and
1: think. Uh, so, sorry, I just, oh sorry. Ace, no, if you're go ahead, Down here. Um, yeah, I just feel like look. I, I think there's something that we've always said about Jim Harbaugh, but maybe never fully internalized as fans is that he is the ultimate competitor. Like that's what drives him. Like he's in, he's an absolute, I mean, he's a weird guy, right? Like he's <laughs> extremely single-minded and I don't think people understand, like he's not happy. I talk about how, like I, I, I half joke, but also kind of like fully, you know, do mean that I'm pretty happy like winning big 10 titles every once in a while. I don't have any real aspirations of like, michigan ever winning a national title i mean if they ever win one national title in my lifetime i will be over the moon i mean seriously and i don't i honest to god like i don't really expect to see one um you know any any time like in, unless it the things really just completely align correctly um but like jim harbaugh doesn't see it that way jim harbaugh is like not like me he's not just some schmuck walk working uh you know an office job and like pretty happy with like my station life Jim Harbaugh wants to be like at the top of his profession. And, um, he, you can't, I'm sorry, like the Gulf at Michigan to do that. Um, I think a lot of the NIL stuff is like overblown, but there is a certain level. Like you look at what Texas A&M is doing. You look at what George is doing. You look at what Alabama and Ohio state are doing. And I mean, you can even throw Ohio state out of that group. Cause I think those, the SEC schools are even more dominant in terms of what they're doing than Ohio state. Um, like Michigan's not going to do that. And they'd never have done that. And that's what it takes to win a national title. And in the NFL, there's none of that crap. You have a, a, a salary cap and you sign players and you draft players and they have to come play for you. You don't have to go and recruit and convince a 17 year old that, you know, you're the place that, that he really wants to be and compete with like boosters throwing around six figure, you know, numbers at them. Um, and that's not to say Michigan never pays player. Like I'm not naive, but they certainly do it less than the major powers. So the, the, you you look at it, and it's like if you're talking, and then and then loop into the fact that the Super Bowl. Like I love college football more than the NFL, but the Super Bowl is the pinnacle of American sports. That's and and he was close, and he sniffed it, and he realized that's what he wanted, and he might not get another chance to jump back into the NFL. So um, I like I think that you know, bring this back to Ward-Manuel. I don't think that this is, was about money or about NIL or about any of that stuff. Um, I, I don't think that there was any kind of lowball offer. Um, I feel like that stuff is very misguided. I think this is a situation where um, Jim Harbaugh wants to be an NFL coach and he wants to get back in the league. And I the, obviously Michigan, like you guys have said, cannot uh, offer that. So um, that's my perspective. I feel very strongly about it. I feel that Ward-Manuel, like, Far be it from me to, to stick up for, you know, an overpaid administrator. But uh, I think Ward Bangle getting a lot of heat that I don't know if he necessarily deserves, especially considering how good pretty much every sport at Michigan has been um, since he took over. Um, you know, the, the off the field stuff with a lot of those sports, you know, we can talk about and we will. But it it I don't know. I, I, I just I don't I the, that narrative is just annoying to me uh, personally.
0: Yeah, it's hard to be. Unless you were uh, deeply upset at Ward Manual last year for lowballing Jim Harbaugh by restructuring his contract, then it's hard to now be upset. At least those two things shouldn't align, given. Um, I don't know. It seemed extremely reasonable to me last year to give him a rework deal to be easy to get out of because this was kind of almost beyond the best case scenario for how the season would go. None of us saw this coming. So to sit here right now and go, oh well, he's gotta stick around now that Michigan uh just finished off a, a playoff year, you know.
1: So so, it, it so just here's the one thing I'll yeah. yeah. Look, I, I just see I just did all that stuff uh, defending him and and I you know I I've made it clear that I think Harbaugh's leaving because he wants to be in the NFL um, I think mean, that's pretty clear. But I will say one thing. Um, I very heavily criticized Word Manual for uh, cutting Harbaugh's salary in half because I felt like it was not something a serious program would do. And part of the reason that I said that at the time, you know, we were talking about this this time last year, was that I don't see like a situation, I didn't see a situation where it would like, go I kind of saw it being like okay well he's either gonna have a bad year which we all kind of thought was gonna happen and they're gonna fire him or he's gonna have a good year and he's gonna be pissed and he's gonna leave and go to the NFL um now I don't know if he was pissed I still do think it's he's going to the NFL because he wants to be in the NFL but definitely sort of (laughs) it definitely didn't help right I mean like I got to say, like, even if I was doing the shittiest job imaginable, if my if my company cut my salary in half and then, you know, next year I do a great job and I've I, it's performance years and they're like, oh, wow, we bump, we want to bump you right back up to where you were plus a little bit. And like, you know, and I get an offer from another company, like for more money, like I'm like, screw you guys, you know. So I do think that that's part of it. And I think that that's I think that Ward should like maybe learn from this and that you probably can't cut your head coach's salary in half and expect him to stick around. <laughs> um, that's there. I think that's generally kind of a bad idea. Um, and I, I don't know. I wouldn't do that again. Is what I would say. That said, I think Carbo will be leaving anyway.
0: Yeah, it was a little incongruous with uh, having him hire a whole new like young coaching staff, unless there is some sort of and plan in place that they haven't told anybody about. Just kind of. I don't know, moving some people up a slot and then adding a new assistant coach or two because, uh, yeah, Mike McDonald's no longer Michigan's defensive coordinator. <laughs> We've, uh, haven't gotten around
2: to that yet, but, uh, Yeah, my dad asked me today if Michigan had hired a defensive coordinator and I'm like, Nope.
0: We No, have there's, there's a bigger fish to fry first, but, uh, yeah, Mike McDonald is back in Baltimore, uh, where he was replacing, uh, his mentor. Um, wink martindale and uh that stinks but uh also i don't know he didn't seem like somebody who was going to be sticking around a college job for a long time at least not as a defense coordinator that that was very much uh, an up-and-comer so i mean it would have been nice to have him for more than a year but um that wasn't shocking
2: yeah and i mean with with him too. You know, there were some things that, you know, didn't really work out. I mean, on the whole, very good, but um, I think Michigan, you know, if they hire a good defensive-minded head coach or, you know, a good defensive coordinator, I don't think there's going to be a a huge drop-off there.
0: That's a a good way to pivot to uh, who we think should be next. So far, there have been the names that have been reported so far uh, depending on where you look, either Josh Gaddis or Mike Hart is the internal promotion candidate. Um, Matt Rule's name has been thrown out there. Uh, the former Baylor and Temple coach who was quite successful at Temple, uh, pretty successful at Baylor, albeit with a pretty hard ceiling against good teams. Um, and right now is in the midst of a really disastrous one-year-plus tenure in Carolina and uh, I think is realizing that he needs to get out before they kick them out. As you might be able to tell, I'm not super high on that rule. Uh, other names, uh, Bill O'Brien has been thrown out there. Uh, I don't know by anyone credible, but his name seems to always surface right around uh, these coaching searches. So
2: yeah, yeah. Bill I'll O'Brien just... has a good agent. I can't believe you haven't said Matt Campbell yet. I mean, well,
0: I, was was saving our, that, I, I was saving our two
1: <laughs> our pipe dreams for the end. Uh because Oh, sorry. I just want to say like the Bill O'Brien and Matt Rule situation, I think mean, that's a pretty clear instance of um I'm not saying they're not being considered at all, but those are two men that I know have very good agents, um, and very active agents. And that's what you usually tend to hear from people that have good agents is their names thrown in for any job opening. So yes.
0: So those are names we have heard early. Um, but uh hopefully they kind of fall out of the race because I I I would personally prefer Gaddis to either of those. Um, but I think Michigan should take a look at established names before they go with automatically doing an internal promotion, unless they are absolutely one hundred percent sold on Gaddis or Hart being the next great Michigan head coach, and that's hard to it's hard to feel about anybody who's never had uh, head coaching experience. So, I mean, obviously last year we were pounding the table for Matt Campbell at Ohio state or at Iowa state. And um, he did have a disappointing season there compared to preseason expectations. They were all also the highest preseason expectations. Iowa state has probably ever had um, certainly since like the first world war. So um, Matt, Matt Campbell, an extremely successful coach by Iowa state standards. My one fear with him is that, uh, um, Stephen Godfrey of split and duo has repeatedly called him a quote unquote choir boy on the recruiting cha- trail that may appeal to a lot of Michigan fans. It does not appeal to yeah. me. We call that a culture fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> call that a, <laughs> uh, the guy I uh, am jokingly calling soup, uh, to pretend that I've never been remotely wrong about anything. Um, is uh, Dave Aranda, Baylor's current head coach and the former defensive coordinator at Wisconsin and LSU, who also had a remarkable one-year turnaround between the uh, COVID-shortened season and this season, uh, had Baylor playing top-flight defense, has fully turned over the offensive side of the ball to his coaching staff. And uh, I, I he seems like an up-and-comer who's going to be extremely good. And I, I would love to see Michigan take a shot. I have no idea if they will, but Aranda does not have any like personal ties to Waco, Texas. So um, it's uh, it's something where I think if an appealing enough offer came along and if Michigan is willing to make an appealing enough offer, I think you at least have to have to hear it out because that should be a step up for a coach. If you are, willing to operate like a top flight like, college football program. Cause I also think Dave Aranda wants to, you know, this is a guy who went down to LSU. He wants to win a national title. Um, so he'd be my top choice. I don't know if he'll be Michigan's. Um, but I, I would like to see Ward manual, at least take some cracks at guys from outside of the immediate Michigan circle, because a big problem with the program, despite the success of Harbaugh, uh, is, how insular it is and how it has a certain way of doing things.
1: So, Um, yeah, so I I will say that uh, I am basically, um, I agree with Ace. Uh, I basically would be in the, um, I think Dave Miranda would be a home run hire um, that I would really just be in favor of if Michigan is not going to make a continuity hire um, by hiring internally, Um, I would like to see them not hire a Michigan man just to show that they're, like, willing to do that. Um, And Dave Aranda is certainly not. Um, He seems like a pretty abrasive personality, um, but he certainly seems like uh, the kind of just, like, um, detail-oriented, Saban-esque, like, just, uh, you know, militant head coach that is, like, super, you know, just very involved uh, runs a runs like a a well-oiled machine. Um, I'm super high on him. Uh, I just don't, I don't see Michigan want like hiring him. It just doesn't seem like the type of thing that they do. Um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm being a little bit like pessimistic here, but he doesn't seem like uh, he doesn't seem like the type of culture fit that like um, they'd be looking for. Um, And I would be, I would still be pretty happy with Matt Campbell. Um, I think he's, uh, I still think that he's a very good coach um, just based on his results at, at, Iowa state. I know that we can have a fight with the flipping the field guys on that um, because he's like, I guess he's like soy. I don't know. Their, their opinions don't make a lot of sense on a lot of things. Um, and I think that it's, <laughs> it's a pretty great show. clear. Who's- I
0: don't, I don't agree with their take on Matt Campbell.
1: Yeah, right. No, I think. Well, look, I I disagree. I think it's a bad show. Um, they issued they issued a they issued a fatwa against soon, us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, they issued a fatwa against us on today's podcast, so we're on rocky terms to say the least. Um, yeah. I thought anyway. Patrick and I were
2: friends. I mean, I don't know where that came from. Like, he could have issued a
1: fatwa against Dan or a fatwa
2: against Connor. Yeah, but, wait like, a minute. I, said I all of us. I have paid that guy to write for the bucket
0: problem.
1: <laughs>
0: Come on, Patrick. Yes. Yeah. This is a betrayal. I
1: had to yeah. listened
0: to
2: Flipping the Field. Yet. It,
1: it really, it really be your own homies. Um, yeah. Well, uh, what do you
2: expect from an Ohio State fan, right? <laughs> oh
1: yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Massive the world's foremost high. Ohio State podcast, and and no other. They <laughs> don't talk. They mostly just talk about Ohio State. Yeah. and No other teams. If you're into Ohio State, um, you know, check out uh, Flipping the Field. And Ohio. I, State I believe power programs only, only is the uh, is the official slogan of Flipping the Field. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they only, only talk only about- part of the hog.
2: <laughs> right they only talk about four to five college football programs at most you have the ohio states and the alabamas and the georgias and then that's pretty much it
0: and then michigan has
1: like the foil because ohio state fans can never stop talking about michigan. <laughs> um but back to sorry back to the coaching candidates i think i think matt Campbell and dave aranda are are largely in the same qual. like i would really like those hires if they went outside because i think they're young up-and-comers um you know the whole choir boy recruiting stuff for uh, Matt Campbell is worrying, but it's not like Michigan is really getting down in the in the dirt uh, most of the time. Um, so you know we'll see. Um, and, and the uh, tax Hill recruitment happened, all right. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I think Michigan would be fine recruiting under Matt Campbell. I mean, I you know it's yeah, not good so. to hear I, I think that it would he's end up a
0: level below the like elite tier that people want.
2: That people yeah, want I Michigan mean,
0: to recruit at without actually doing what it takes to recruit at that level, if that well, makes and, sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, there are some significant headwinds there, namely the fact that college football talent is concentrated in southern states. And there's currently a huge snowstorm in Ann Arbor, like even beyond the whole, you know, oh, we're not paying a competitive market rate to top 100 kids or whatever, um, which you know, I, I don't know if I entirely buy that. Um there are some things holding Michigan back. Michigan will always be able to recruit, you know, academically minded kids. You know, it's a prestigious school. Um, I, I like Campbell. I I mean, I don't think he would be an A-plus hire like Harbaugh was at the time. I don't think there really is an A-plus hire
1: out there right now for Miranda. me. And, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but, but I mean, I I do think like I think we should qualify this in saying that I agree with you, Ace. That I would like them to hire Dave Aranda if I could pick anyone, that might be that might be my choice. But think about what a home run Jim Harbaugh was at the time, right? I mean, like there aren't there's nobody on the board right now oh, yeah. that is going to be that level of home run, and I think Michigan fans need to understand that that Jim Harbaugh was like, you know. How his tenure went is a separate story, but at the time it's like, that's the, that was the best coach you could get. Well, um, I mean, this yeah, is, it's, this is not something that- like, yeah, it's not like USC hiring Lincoln Riley or
2: Ohio state hiring urban Meyer. Like Aranda hasn't been a head coach for very long. Um, definitely has a rising, he's a rising star in the field. I think he will probably get a better job if he wants one at some point. Um, but there is a degree of uncertainty with every candidate I think circling back to Josh Gaddis, I do, I have come around to the idea of just promoting him and seeing where the dice land in the fall. Um, Ultimately, you know, Michigan should be pretty good this year. If he keeps the staff intact, like I'm pretty confident about the direction of the program, even though he's never been a head coach, um, even though he's only been a coordinator for a short amount of time. Um, Aranda has a more proven resume. I think. Matt Campbell has a pretty strong resume, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can poke holes in pretty much any of these guys.
0: Well, and I mean, if you go back and look at like post coaching carousel who won the offseason hiring grades um, from years past, it is just really damn hard to predict who's going to work out. Um, I mean, Scott Frost at Nebraska was supposed to be a home run hire, uh, you know, you can go down the list of names of people who are supposed to be slam dunks who did not work out. And it's, it's not like you're picking out the three stars who worked out as football players. Um, the It really is extremely difficult uh, to figure out how a fit's going to work. Um, and just, I mean, we've seen with Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan, like sometimes even a, like over a five to 10 year period, you can have like a few, breaks go a certain way that really define a a coach's tenure one way or the other. And a a lot of it comes down to luck. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, I'm not going to flip out if uh, Josh Gaddis or Mike Hart get promoted because there's almost something good in a certain level of uncertainty. Uh,
1: Sometimes those are the guys that have the biggest upside. Yeah. And I I do want to say that like, I think this. so much of this is similar to um, the NFL draft process where it's like, you just have all of these people that are paid millions of dollars and scouts and coaches and GMs. And their one central question is like, tell me which one of these football players is good at football. Right. And it's like, okay, we basically can get it 50% of the time. Like every, like we basically like swing and miss on like so many first round draft picks that it's like, this is the best player, one of the best players in college football. And it's just like, oh, they no, they actually suck. And it's really hard, even more so, to tell who, who's a good coach. Um, you can tell who's good at certain schools, but so many like, you know, A plus, like A said, like hires end up just being trash. And so many guys that it's like, you know, I don't know about this guy, I'm not sure, end up being really good. And that's it's just tough to really tell, you know. Um, and and I think Uh, I don't know. I I, I mean, that's kind of what I've been like how I've been talking myself into a lot of this. Um, And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think that I think you could make an argument for pretty much any of major uh, Michigan's major candidates on the board. Um, And I uh, I I will be interested to see, you know, if they I think the one thing I'll say is that. I really do want them to do a full search and not just like immediately name Gaddis or Hart. Um, I think they'd be doing themselves a disservice if they don't do any external interviews.
0: I would agree with that. Um, I think we've largely covered this, but, you know, assuming that Harbaugh leaves, we still don't know yet, Um, but sure seems like it. Uh, How do we feel at this juncture about the future of the program? Obviously Harbaugh has left it in a better place than he inherited it. um, But you know, it's also very much up in the air right now, and it it does it does provide a little bit of a wake up call to Michigan fans about where they stand in the pecking order of the sport of football as a whole. Uh, that
2: Harbaugh, I mean, is very much going to take this job if he's offered. So, uh, I mean, I feel pretty uncertain about the future. I think it will really depend on who Ward picks as a replacement. And I hope that he's already been working on that because it's been pretty obvious that Jim, you know, was looking for an opportunity to leave. Well, and also you
0: set up for that last year. You'd better have been looking the moment you restructured that contract. Right. Yeah.
2: So hopefully there's a plan in place. Hopefully I'm happy with who they hire. Hopefully that person puts together a good staff underneath him. um, And hopefully he's able to retain a lot of the talent that's already on the roster. This is a talented program. Um, so you know keeping at least one but hopefully both of the quarterbacks like that sets up the team well for 2022 and yeah right now it's just kind of a holding pattern for me I mean I feel better knowing that Michigan is you know coming off of a really great season but that's definitely not a guarantee of future success so yeah I don't really know how to feel
1: fair enough Dan yeah um I uh I think that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how this has killed recruiting momentum. Um, But if you follow recruiting, you know that there's basically nothing more fickle than recruiting momentum. You can build quote unquote recruiting momentum by getting one big commit and then a whole bunch of other dominoes fall. And then that momentum goes away. And then, you know, you win a couple. It's like, there's no such thing as recruiting momentum. It's just recruiting well or recruiting badly. Um, And I think that the way this sets up is pretty favorable for... You know, the next coach, there's a lot if, if they decide to make a hire that at least keeps a lot of the staff intact um, and limits the, the bleeding in terms of transfers, um, you're going to have a really good offense next year. Um, you're probably going to have a good defense also because honestly, like, you know, the, the, the talent floor is still pretty high. Um, and the, the the schedule is like dirt easy and you'd kind of have to screw up to not win 10 games. So, you know, that's like built in momentum. So this is a really good place for this program to be obviously coming off of a big 10 title. Um, and I, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of it depends on, you know, there's a lot of variables, but I think if they hire Gaddis or, you know, one of the other people we've talked about and, uh, maintain a certain level of continuity, which I think is the big variable is how much continuity is there. Um, that i i think that you could see at least a a continuation of what harbaugh built and you know with always the upside of like you know if if you if you start really uh hitting the trail on recruiting like it seems like this staff was um you know before the everything here started um then i think that you have the possibility to to, you know go up a tier or maybe elevate from you know tier two to tier one a or whatever so uh, I'm I'm still pretty optimistic about the future of the program, um, but that can obviously change because um, I'm fickle, and i am um, uh, really been going through it online the past couple of days, and uh, I've been changing my opinion basically every five minutes. So ask me again tomorrow. That is strangely enough the first
0: time that the word fickle has come up on this podcast, but uh, I think we're all of the mind that that is not happening.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean getting turned down by that guy would be tough having him accept the job. And then like later potentially want to
1: go to Ohio state would be like, absurd. yeah, that's <laughs> 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 quick, quick that aside. One of my, one of my, uh, one of my good friends texted me last night and he's like, I saw you tweet, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want fickle, um, you know, at all. And I'm like, i think fickle's a great coach i'd be ecstatic if he wanted to come to michigan but i cannot even like contemplate the horror realm that we would enter as a fan base if a michigan uh coach left michigan for ohio state like that would be cancel canceled program level crap and i would I, I would i don't know i would literally melt down i don't know what what i would do if that happened and that's a very real possibility if they hire luke fickle because that man loves ohio state and uh he would definitely leave Michigan for Ohio State if the opportunity ever presented itself. Yeah. Hopefully
0: for the same reason he would not even consider the job in the first place. <laughs> Cause uh yeah, I'm also terrified of that possibility if his name comes up. And I agree. He's a great coach. Uh it's just probably not the right fit <laughs> if his if his
1: Loyalty is yeah. with Michigan's biggest rival. Part of part of the fit. Part of like uh the fit commerce Like we talked about a lot about like oh you don't really know like what makes a good coach. Blah blah blah. It's like yeah I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that part of what makes a good coach is um not hating the living shit out of the place that you're coaching at. And I feel like I'm not sure Luke Fickle checks that box. Like Todd so just tried I don't it know. And it went
2: bad.
0: <laughs> it went real bad.
1: I
2: don't know how you could possibly hate Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. Tom Todd Graham found a way to really screw that up. Difficult to fathom for me, but uh, yeah, Yeah.
1: just just being livid on the beach, like the beautiful, like (laughs) like, you know, white sand bleaches, and just like, oh god, I hate this place. Everybody's so fucking happy.
2: Just sipping like a, a fancy drink out of a coconut on the beach and just getting so mad that uh, the on campus stadium hasn't been finished getting built yet after the old one had to be demolished.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, God. that's a program that's uh, in a certain place. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I'm, I'm feeling like not terrible about Michigan's situation given everything. I think that um, they have a couple interesting internal promotion candidates. And I'm not going to get angry about Michigan having the wrong priorities or not doing a national search until those things actually come to pass. Uh, so for the moment I will, I'm, I'm going to maintain some, you know, possibly misguided optimism about Michigan, hopefully, uh, you know, continuing to improve and modernize the program, uh, possibly with a much younger, head coach coming in to replace Jim Harbaugh. So we'll see. Um, this podcast is, as always, sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code bucket Problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. Season three of Big News Saturday is basketball-themed and very much underway. Uh, Gonzaga dropped last Saturday, which is why Connor is not on the pod tonight. He is hauling cross-country to pick up his just enormous bounty of Zags gear uh, South Carolina is the team Coming up this week Though that should be some interesting logos Especially if you uh, I don't know If you grew up in the 90s you probably Or early 2000s you definitely were familiar With some like South Carolina Gear namely a hat that says Cox on it so uh, we'll See what uh, we'll see what uh, um, Connor Hitchcock I should say Connor Southard is not on the pot tonight uh, we'll, we'll see what um, the, the crew down at home field come up with for yeah, the, for carolina but it should be fun
1: the the hat that says cox on it is a staple of every frat guy um if like from in every school not just south carolina um that's a classic and uh even though it's overplayed it's it's a really good bit um you can't beat a, a hat that just says cox on it that's it's very funny
2: yeah i um outgrew my uh cox <laughs> hat by the time i entered like seventh grade so How i thought it was, was funny before. kid I was that kid for maybe a period of like 18 months. Um, I was the Cox guy.
1: Uh, We've that's... all been the Cox guy. And, <laughs> uh...
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we are also, at, yeah. So promo code bucket problem, homefieldapparel.com. They love our ads. They just love them. They're great.
1: They're perfect uh download. Yeah, buy, buy the cox hat that's not even a home field item yes, no they don't you can make find ads. it on e- yeah just just google it you can find it use code bucket problem to buy the cox hat wherever you can find it just type it in everywhere see if it works yeah why not it's yeah it's look what's the worst that happens
0: uh speaking of which Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. You must use the c- promo code BUCKETPROB to get that bonus. That is Bucket P R O B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet when you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you are someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right hoops i guess um we did have uh ben Gorin on the podcast this week and we can start by saying that ben was totally wrong he predicted northwestern to win and uh they merely lost on the road to michigan by two points which is absolutely the result that ben wanted because he is a chris collins accelerationist um yeah uh we totally owned you ben (laughs) eat it uh
1: um that game was can I not say that, um, particularly fun. <laughs> Sorry,
0: um
1: can I say that I, I went to a I went to a, a a Northwestern game um with Ben this weekend and uh uh we we had like I don't know Ben has access to the some of the box seats I guess um but they were they in, in true Northwestern fashion they had like wine and, um, like prime rib, uh, being served in like the, (laughs) the, like, instead of like, you know, normal stadium fare, it was like very fancy, like seasoned meats. Um, so I thought that was very on brand of Northwestern, uh, very, very funny. So, (laughs) man.
0: Uh, if the cost is having to watch Northwestern basketball, that still might be worth. Oh it. yeah, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's their niche. They're like, we gotta feed these people something good because this is this is rough. <laughs> this is brutal.
2: But yeah, here's some prime rib. Um, yeah, they they start to bring in the caviar as soon as you know they fall to like two and fourteen in the Big Ten or whatever. <laughs> that that's just a team that knows how to lose games. Like watching them against Michigan and watching them in other games this year, like. I don't think they're terrible. Like they have some players that are good at some things, but when it comes to winning time, they just, they are in the Nebraska football of big time basketball.
0: Yeah. They held a seven point lead with five minutes left in this game and proceeded to blow it. Um, Michigan, uh, also blew an 11 point lead (laughs) earlier in the second half. So, you know, not, I, not an ideal well-played game on, uh, either side necessarily this was one where uh Caleb Houston was actually logged on for this game 18 points to lead all scores Devonte Jones had a nice game as well um, Sure, so Devonte Jones
2: had some big baskets down the stretch after Diabate and Dickinson both fouled out yes um, so Michigan won say. yeah Michigan won that game with uh third or fourth string walk on center um making some big plays down the stretch
0: Yes, um, Turn Folds <laughs> gets in for a couple possessions, uh, four minutes <laughs> towards the end. Uh, dishes out an assist. Um, you know he's he's out there. Don't ask whether he made those free throws; it doesn't matter. He's um, out there in high leverage moments for
2: Michigan season. Um, this was
0: the only other thing I want to say about this game is that it was like the classic Ryan Young game, where. He, The Northwestern's backup center. And we, you know, Ben absolutely called this on the podcast last week that Ryan Young is going to come in, not really play any defense, uh, but he's going to get some YMCA level buckets and he is going to draw a ton of fouls. And he was primarily responsible for both Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate fouling out. He went to the free throw line for nine attempts. Uh, He also committed four fouls himself. And all of this happened in 19 minutes. Ryan Young is incredible. Uh, Salute to that guy for being just a a very Big Ten type of guy. Um, But it very nearly cost Michigan this game because I don't know how many fouls out of the 10 combined that Dickinson and Diabate committed. We uh, were personally drawn by uh, Ryan Young, but it was way more than
2: his fair share. <laughs> you know, hearing you talk about that kind of makes me wonder if they should do an all Big Ten team that isn't the best players in the Big Ten, but is the most Big Ten players in the Big Ten. I almost um, want to cut this right now and save it for later for a
0: post and make sure that nobody steals that. But that is an amazing
2: idea. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure that Tyler wall is on there because he needs to be on there.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. Wisconsin has to have, this is just gonna end up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be Wisconsin <laughs> and Iowa dudes. And then, uh, and, and Northwestern,
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is going to end up just being uh the, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Um, I'll, I, I, I have something to say something to you guys after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dan thought better of something. Um, <laughs> next up was uh,
0: Michigan uh, going into the Breslin Center, uh, playing a relatively solid first half ish, uh, and then getting absolutely blown out of the building to begin the second half. Um, it's been covered. On multiple sites and podcasts, but uh, Michigan's defense against Michigan State's ball screens was just the totally wrong approach in this game. Michigan kept uh, sending out their big men to hard hedge and and get above the level of the ball screen. And Michigan State's guards kept just dribbling right through the ball screen defense, often just directly between the two defenders. Um, so Tyson Walker didn't have his best game, but AJ Hogard went off. Uh, you know, at least as far as A.J. Hogard goes off. Um, he was the Ken Pop yeah, in this want to game. Hear. Yeah. 10, ten, <laughs> yeah. 10 assists to
2: one turnover for AJ Hogard is uh,
0: a defensive achievement you do not want. To have. Yeah.
2: Even with Michigan State's ridiculously homer scorekeeper, like they are like top five in the country every year in assist rate because they get way more assists at home than on the road. Um Yeah, when AJ Hogart's slicing you up, that's that's rough. I I mean that game plan just did not put Michigan in a place to succeed in that game. Um I would be curious to hear what the thought process was behind it. (laughs) Um I think I think the idea is that Michigan's guards can't contain the ball screen. So you give a guy, you know, heading downhill, you know, head to attack the big man if he's playing drop coverage whereas like theoretically if you're playing a more aggressive ball screen defense you can you know let the the guard recover if the big can contain the ball but the bigs can't contain the ball like that's not the kind of player hunter dickinson is and you know when you do have a more aggressive ball screen defense you kind of compromise the back end and like michigan's not good at making smart and timely rotations on the back end um Likewise, it's, it's guards and wings are not very good at rotating over to protect the rim on drives. So when you have a guy like AJ Hogard or Tyson Walker, um, they're not seeing anybody there to deter them when they, you know, easily dribble past Hunter or even Diabate, you know, he he struggled with that coverage too. Um, yeah, Michigan just has a bad defense. Like, (laughs) and it seems like, you know, game planning, a defense that you'd probably no, you can't execute that kind of reeks of desperation to me a little bit. Um, It will be interesting to see if Michigan goes with a different approach in the, in the rematch. Um, One thing that, yeah, one thing that you didn't mention in the show notes, but that I kind of wanted to bring up is that I thought Michigan state's game plan defensively made a ton of sense. Like they did not bring the double on Hunter Hunter scored 25. He had a couple of possessions where he's guarded one-on-one by Joey Hauser, which is like a joke, right? But you make Hunter beat you. If you're an opposing team, like you do not want him, you know, seeing the double coming from a mile away, kicking the ball to a wide open shooter and getting some of those other guys involved, you kind of shut off the faucet and make it, you know, play a guy like Eli Brooks or Caleb Houston. Don't cheat off of them. And, you know, Hunter, you do the math. That's like, you know, 25, 30 post-ups, is, is that what it's going to take to beat you? Like, I thought Izzo really had a good game plan for Michigan. And, you know, I kind of wonder if other teams are going to adopt that. I think the natural inclination is to double Hunter because he is so dominant. And you look at a team like Nebraska, they don't have a chance no matter what they do. Um, and with their lack of size, they kind of do have to double. But you know, Michigan State has a couple decent big men. Um, Marcus Bingham's good. Um, so, yeah, you just... Throw them all at him. You let Maddie Sissoko pick up, you know, four fouls or whatever in the couple of minutes that he plays. And
0: Three fouls in one minute, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, you that, look at that's Michigan. Definite candidate for uh, Maddie Sissoko. Definite candidate for like uh, all Big Ten. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of, of oh the yeah. Most Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 just. We talk about, like, players being a bucket. Uh, Matty Sissoko is a foul. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he rules. I love Matty Sissoko. He's so jacked. He's like, He is, like, what I think Kofi Coburn is in my head. It's just just big. He's, like, when
0: Michigan State used to just straight up put a football player in the starting lineup.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if, like, Matty... Uh- can take the transfer portal across campus to the football facility and like make his way into the NFL as a tight end because
1: yeah he has five fouls but oh he's I mean uh, he's already got the uh, the cheap shots down like he'll, <laughs> yeah he'll fit in over there the, the physicality is there um, yeah he'll yeah, clobber physical, you in the face physicality that's what it is yeah
2: <laughs> but yeah Michigan State you know that. Pretty deep with the big men between Bingham, Marble, who's like not that great, but like okay as a backup big. Yeah, Sissoko, Hauser. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully Michigan figures out some solutions um, in the rematch, which did yeah. get rescheduled.
0: Yeah, because um, yeah, to your point, I mean, Dickinson scores twenty five, Michigan sixty seven in this game. Diabate adds a number eleven, another eleven points, a lot of those in the post, and. I mean, that, that's pretty much all that Michigan was able to even attempt inside the arc. Um, and then they go three for 19 on three pointers. And while you can look at it and say, oh, Michigan had some bad luck. Like there were a lot of contested threes in that game, because uh, like you said, Michigan State was only, uh, you know, Michigan State was playing one on one on the post and forcing Michigan's perimeter players to create. And that's not really happening. This season uh, So Michigan finishes with a negative Assisted turnover ratio even though They only committed 13 turnovers But um, 11 assists is, is rough for a team Total I mean AJ Hogard Almost had that on his own um, I don't I don't want to talk about the Nebraska game uh, uh, yeah, Hunter Dickinson was awesome it. In 23 minutes um, He did not play for 15 minutes Because he picked up two early fouls and Juwan Howard stuck to an extremely rigid auto bench. Uh, Michigan was trailing by 10 points to fucking Nebraska at one point in the first half. Nebraska notably came into this uh, zero and 10 in conference play. Um, Bryce McGowan scored 24 points. Derek Walker was five for six in, uh, from the field. It just felt like at times this was an absolute layup line for Nebraska. Casey Tominaga was Three for three from the field, including hitting back-to-back layups on Michigan, which like that guy, that guy only shoots threes um, and commits hilarious technical
2: fouls. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like five foot eight. I, all I want to say about this game and that night, if we could mercifully move on from it, that would be great. But um I would like to thank DJ Carsonson for calling an absolute BS foul on Tominaga (laughs) when he blocked Hunter Dickinson.
1: That was so bad. That was the most. Oh my God. When you're a 5'8 guy, that, like, I mean, it is. Just, I mean, I'm not. This does not look like you belong out there. Like, just not athletically, like you know, of the profile of anyone else on the court. And you get a block on Hunter Dickinson, a totally clean block, by the <laughs> way, <and> like completely. <laughs> um, and it, and totally it gets justified. and it gets taken and it gets taken away. It's like I would have like, oh my god, I, I, you, you would have had to give me three technical fouls. I would have been so pissed. <laughs> um, that's short Kings. That was part inju- of this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, this that was that was an injustice to Short Kings everywhere, and um thank god for the free four points and that was an ultimate um ball lying moment because we got we hit all four free throws <laughs> uh, so yeah
2: and michigan was down 7 when that happened um, Yes,
1: dude it was it
2: was pivotal. 5 minutes <laughs> was left pivotal. i'm like <laughs> it was if probably totally the
0: biggest play of the game <laughs> yeah
2: yeah well and it's like if case Tominaga um is the one to put the final bullet into a team that was supposed to make the final 4 but is like pretty mediocre i think fair to say um that would have felt pretty fitting but yeah i mean that shoot looking ahead um there really are not any easy games left for the most part like you could say rutgers at home is an ostensibly easy game but michigan got killed by rutgers once already this season so i mean maybe not um but there are opportunities for good wins i think one thing that i you know haven't talked about with anyone yet um Michigan getting a couple of uh, bye games in December canceled because the opponents had COVID actually could wind up mattering because um, yeah, right now Michigan is looking like realistically the most amount of wins they're going to get in the regular season. is like 18 and I don't know if that's going to be enough.
0: Uh, so uh, I'm just going to read this tweet from Adam Schefter. Um, and it's it's the checkmark no, no version. Way. It's dude, the checkmark version, this, man. Dude.
1: Unbelievable! Yeah.
0: Jim Harbaugh called Michigan to inform the school that, despite interviewing with the Vikings today, he will be returning to school for the 2022 season.
2: <laughs>
1: Sources tell ESPN. Oh my god! Michigan uh, was
0: just recorded in the words of
2: one source, quote unquote, elated to get Harbaugh's decision.
1: Oh my Holy god! Holy shit! We just we just finished. We just <laughs> we finished recording like an hour and the and most use. useless podcast of all time this is this is this one is just don't even bother listening to it no, oh honestly, I'm God. so pissed, dude. This is, this is gonna, this is. I mean, you might as well just throw this one out. This is a useless uh, podcast. It's a useless I, podcast. I think it would be kind oh of no, funny, to, kind of funny oh, to post. Real, I, so I mean, we yeah. we
2: can probably end it like right here. I know Ace, there's some oh, things man. you want to talk <laughs> about, but like,
1: <laughs> yeah. no. Oh yeah, wait. So, oh, should we touch on the men's uh, game against Purdue this weekend? No, I don't. Think, <laughs> no, no, we're no. Think, water. Think, water. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Oh uh, man. No, might, you, you <laughs> I was going to talk about God, women's
0: basketball. Uh, they beat Indiana. They're in the driver's seat for the Big 10 title. <laughs> Iowa lost to Ohio State. There's a huge game against the Hawkeyes on Sunday that you absolutely need to watch. Yeah. I will be writing about it, uh, but holy shit, I damn it, I have I to, not I I have to figure
2: out what I'm going to write this
0: week because G- I, Jim I'm is Jim is the guy posts.
2: Jim is the guy who like threatens to break up with you and like ghost you for a couple days and then he shows up back at your house like oh hey what's up and and you
1: and you uh and you convince yourself like oh no, I don't you know, it's mutual, like I don't really want like, you know, to anyway, like it wasn't yeah, that it's, great. It's okay. Blah, blah. It's okay. And then he comes back like... and you're just like, Oh my god, I love you so much. Like, yeah, no, we've all been there. <laughs> don't we've don't leave
2: me. There. Don't leave me, Jim. <laughs> yeah.
1: Look, I'm not gonna say I'm not happy. <laughs> no, <'Cause... laughs> yeah. Yeah. I convinced myself that I would that I didn't care, but now I definitely do. Um so can I'm we talk about Chris Ballas that. real quick? Oh, my God. Hell yeah, dude. I... Oh, no, we, we probably can't <laughs> oh, do that. We probably what a shame. We're
2: running out of time. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I just
2: I just want to say that it was reported by On3.com that he was taking the Vikings job yesterday, so I, I would like that report to stand. Um, mm, Adam yep. Schefter, on the other hand, he must have gotten the text from Jim. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, what, what a guy. He um He's doing this to, like, personally mess with the three of us and connor he was like guys i listened to the bucket problem um before the season i know how you felt about me like you might like me now but i just want to drag you through the mud (laughs) Uh, i mean we all deserved it
0: (laughs) we were so wrong (laughs) so i mean jim harbaugh has owned us but he has owned us by coming back so uh we'll take it
1: um got to say great continuation of our trend of never being right about anything ever <laughs> it's um, perfect this is the most this is the most wrong podcast we really do try <laughs> to be right on this podcast like we try to make intelligent informed decisions this is the most incorrect podcast you'll ever listen to we have never been right about <laughs> anything <laughs> and it's usually like good but it's <laughs> so do we want to predict
0: defensive just... coordinator candidates right now or do we want to not do that oh i don't any know person no, that let's we bring let's, up will yeah, let's definitely not. not get the job So nobody say Jim Leonard. (laughs) Um, Goodness gracious. I, I had, uh, I'll say like, we were going to talk about women's basketball. Just did that in a, in a big rush. I will be writing about that. Um, We were going to talk about Mel Pearson, which is a serious thing. Um, I want to give that the time and space and context it deserves. I have written about that. It's actually up on the site for free. So anybody listening to the podcast can read about that. Um, uh, yeah. So Harbaugh, uh, still the coach. Um, I, I just. Uh,
1: I don't know. What are we supposed to say? Um, it's uh, it's, it's great for the kids, um, great for the program. I would <laughs> hope that I hope that, uh, I the one the one piece of action I'll, so I'll give is that I hope there's some kind of thing in his contract that says he can't do this again next year. I don't know how you do that. I don't know if it's like how you build it, but it, this has got to be um, this is got to be the last time we have to do this. Yeah, there, there has
0: to be something in place to prevent a uh, January through February uh, limbo period on an annual basis because. Uh, first of all, this is no way to treat your fan base. And second of all, uh, it's not great for the program either if you keep doing this. Um, So uh, hopefully this means Jim Harbaugh is here for uh, at least long enough to set up a a swift succession plan. Um, But uh, Michigan gets their their Big Ten championship winning coach back. And uh, that's pretty sweet. Um, Any final thoughts, guys?
2: Um, Uh, I'm looking forward to running it back with Jim. (laughs) I was, I had accepted that he was, I was, I had had accepted that he was leaving. I'm happy that he's back. I can't wait to see what the Ohio state game looks like next year. Um, yeah, go blue. We're back.
0: I I, I will say that, um, but final thought on this, if the premature report that, that Jim Harbaugh would be taking the Vikings job uh, coinciding with Brian Flores's lawsuit against the NFL. Uh, they do not take myor- minority hiring at all seriously. Um, also coupled with the, you know, uh, that story breaking in the middle of the Minnesota Vikings interviewing a black head coach candidate. Um, if that all led to this 180 degree turn, That'll be one of the funniest things I have ever encountered. Uh, Obviously, certainly details of the NFL uh, lawsuit itself. (laughs) Not funny at all, but this being one of the results,
1: absolutely hilarious. Yeah, got to say, this is this is going to I think that we know who whose statue should replace the bow statue. Uh, A certain insider over at on 3com definitely deserves uh, a (laughs) statue built in his likeness to commemorate this incredible activist journalism that he's done. (laughs) Uh, We have an additional tweet from Adam Schefter that I think we can end the
0: show on considering it is what we are talking about. Jim Harbaugh told Ward manual that this would not be a reoccurring issue. And he would stay at Michigan as long as it wants him per sources. Hot damn what the Uh,
1: fuck dude what what a what a
0: ridiculous month i Uh,
1: we're gonna leave it all in we're leaving it all in thanks for listening
0: (laughs) follow at bucket problem on twitter go to www.thebucketproblem.com and read posts that are not about jim harbaugh leaving even though i may have written one subscribe to the newsletter and the podcast rate review and subscribe to this the free pod uh, use the promo code bucket problem at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code BucketProb on points bet and have a fantastic week. Holy shit.